Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. I sure hope you're doing well today and have blue skies. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Marjorie Taylor Greene wants you all to know that the church in America is controlled by Satan. Uh, maybe a uh, multiple adulteress should shut up about what Satan controls. Uh, but Marjorie Taylor Greene wants you to know the church in America is controlled by Satan. We will get to that, but there's actually a more important story. The economy. It's not doing well, folks. Um, it's we're, we're having a decline, but it, it, I, I actually want to start with something related to it, uh, very directly related to it. The economy, uh, the the gross domestic product is down 1.4%. People weren't expecting that. But there's there's another issue here. Uh, The mortgage cliff. This is a problem, and I suspect this is the beginning of a a bubble bursting. What is the mortgage cliff? Well, uh, the ability of an American to maintain a mortgage has fallen below the average home cost or mean rather, I should say not average, uh, the mean new home cost. Uh, So the ability of an American to take out a mortgage is the mean is $469,000. That means that uh, the home buyers in this country who want a mortgage uh, can typically take out a mortgage uh, no more than $469,000. They don't have enough annual income to take out a mortgage more than that. Meanwhile, uh, most homes in this country are selling now for around $524,000. That means that most Americans are now unable to afford a home in this country because of their mortgage qualifications which means uh, home prices have to come down. Income's not going up in an economy with the economy in decline. In fact, uh, pending home sales have slipped for the fifth straight month. The latest data from the National Association of Realtors indicates new contracts fell by 1.2% last month from February to 103.7 on the pending home scale home sales index. Sales were down by 8.2% year over year with pending sales slipping across all four regions of the United States to the lowest level in two years. The falling contract signings are implying that multiple offers will soon dissipate and be replaced by a Calmer, normalized market conditions, Lawrence Yun, uh, the National Associate of Realtors chief economist said, as it stands, the sudden large gains in mortgage rates have reduced the pool of eligible home buyers, and that has consequently lowered buying activity. So you got a problem now. One of many problems in the economy is that homes are priced more than most Americans can afford to buy. So either groups like BlackRock come in and buy them and rent them out instead of selling them, or that price has to come down. I suspect we're on the verge of seeing a uh, collapse in pricing in the home market, which is a good thing. It has been irrationally exuberant since we got into COVID. But there's a larger problem here as well, and that is the... 
uh, economy. This is from CNBC. The uh, gross domestic product unexpectedly declined at a 1.4% annualized pace in the first quarter, making an abrupt reversal for an economy coming off its best performance since 1984, the Commerce Department reported Thursday. The negative growth rate missed even the subdued Dow Jones estimate of a 1% gain for the quarter. GDP measures the output of goods and services in the U.S. for the three-month period. Despite the disappointing numbers in markets paid little attention to the report when it came out. In fact, after some miserable days on the markets, uh, reading right now, just for those of you listening in delay, uh, 12, 11 p.m., the Dow is up 139 points. NASDAQ is up 73 points. S&P 500 up 31 points. So the markets have to some degree blown all of this off and... We'll see what happens. The markets had been down. Um, so here, here's a larger issue. Notice the line from the Commerce Department that uh, it is the best performing economy since Ronald Reagan was president uh, back in 1984. Do you know what the unemployment rate is for college graduates? The unemployment rate for college graduates. 2%. If the economy is so good and unemployment so low for college graduates, why does the government, why does the Biden administration on the left want to forgive student loans? Perhaps it would be better to forgive the contract loans of blue-collar workers who have to pay for their vans and tools and equipment than for college kids who have graduated and have jobs. Just just throwing a wild card out here. Maybe, just maybe, it would be better to do that. Uh, People are going to be furious about this. And the left has now moved to an interesting, interesting argument. This is one of the the areas um, where I just think the left is out to lunch and within their bubble, I'm seeing, is when anyone, myself included, say... Uh, why should I be paying for someone else's student loan? The left says, well, you're selfish. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli actually um, retweeted uh, the, the actress. She There was a time where she was famous. She quote tweeted a friend of mine who was saying, I just saved my money and paid my student loans off early. And now the government wants me to pay other people's student loans off. And Valerie Bertinelli, the actress, said, well, you're just selfish. How is it selfish to think other people should take responsibility for their own debt, particularly when there's a 2% unemployment rate among college students and the Biden administration would have us believe this is the best economy of all time? The, the fact that the left wants to argue to you that you're selfish for not wanting to do this. Um, and those of you who are out there right now who don't have a college degree, there are a lot of you listening who don't have a college degree and you're making a living. You are in some cases not making a great living, but in some cases you're making a very good living. Some of you are home builders. Some of you are plumbers. Some of you are truck drivers. Some of you are working retail. Some of you are working in sales. Wherever you are and you don't have that college degree, 
but you're doing okay. How is it selfish for you to not want to pay off the student loans of someone who got a mastery uh, master's degree in puppetry arts? You know, I come back to this one all the time. Back during the Obamacare uh, debate, there was a guy, he was quoted, I think he was, he was actually living in Atlanta, and he was quoted in the New York Times or some such, literally was upset uh, because he got a master's degree in puppetry arts and could not get a job that paid him more than the student loan he had to pay back. And so he wanted Obamacare. He wanted government health care because he couldn't afford insurance because of his life choices. I personally think the selfishness is when you make bad life choices and want everyone else to bail you out from them. I think that's the selfishness here. But first of all, can, can we just stop? Why? For all that is good, decent, and holy on planet Earth. Why? I, I, how I, I'm, I'm at a loss for who decides I'm going to go get a master's degree in learning how to shove my hand up the butt of a puppet. Hey, who does that? I, I'm going to go learn how to stick my fist up the backside of a puppet. I believe there are people out West who will teach you that skill for free. I, 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 why do you get a master's degree in puppetry arts? Who does that? I, I don't, I don't understand, but this guy did and he needed socialist healthcare because his student loans for a master's in puppetry arts, uh, cost him more than what he was. I mean, I, if I was his dad, I, I could have said, son, outside of the black market, you don't get paid well for sticking your hand up the backside of anything, a puppet or anything else. I mean, go be a veterinarian or like a BDSM person in San Francisco. Maybe then, but but puppets, uh, I'm, I'm looking, masters of puppetry, puppetry arts. I, I got to fight. Where, where do you even go? Uh, here we go. Ah, the University of Connecticut. A master's in fine arts of puppet arts. Oh, look, there, there's there's a whole thing here. You go to Europe as well. Um, the best accredited schools for puppetry arts. There actually is a, my gosh, you can just go anywhere and, and get, wow. Really? A puppetry arts. I, I, Y'all, I, I don't, Why? But this guy, he wanted he wanted government bailouts because he decided to get get this career. Get, get his, this was his career. It's probably like making more at Starbucks now as a barista uh, than he is sticking his hand up the backside of a puppet. I, I I don't understand it. I just don't. And and now we're the bad guys because we don't want to subsidize these people. Uh, now, of course, the Biden administration, well, the, the economy, it, it's unexpectedly gone down. They were not expecting the economy to go down. They can no longer say it, it's such a great economy. Now, there's some degree um, of them trying to be dismissive of the economic data, saying it's just quirky reasons that the economy has declined right now. Uh, CNN this morning, as a matter of fact, trying to explain it, tried to say it was just quirky, uh, the reasons for the decline, that there were different pricing issues and supply chain issues. Uh, it's, it's really stagflation, if we're honest about it. That's what's going on here. 
stagflation. Uh, here's Joe Kernan from CNBC on the whole mess out there right now. When you have heard people start to talk about recession fears, and then you get a, a negative print on GDP, you add into that just pretty serious inflation in the backdrop, and then you're immediately going to hear the S word, the stagflation word. You're going to hear that again, uh, Rick. And, and you're also going to have We've people... We've heard that a long time ago, Joe. You and I were using that word a long time ago. Right. And by the way, when was it? Let me think. June of uh, last year, when I thought the Fed was making a mistake. Everybody thought I was crazy. A little early on that. You know, Joe, I look at this chapter is the long goodbye. Goodbye to all the pandemic spending, all the mountains of money that boosted not only inflation, obviously, but all the other growth metrics, GDP metrics. That parade is over. It is. It's going to be over for a lot of people. And I don't, one, I don't actually think the president has the power to forgive the student loans that he wants to forgive. But two, uh, doing this actually generates a flood of money into the economy if you did it. Uh, the, the transfer of wealth issue there, the government forgiving loans, freeing up other people's capital who don't need their capital freed up, that's going to cause more inflation as well. We really are getting into a stagflation issue here where the economy just, uh, there can be no growth, where we're not growing. Inflation, small, limited inflation over time actually isn't that bad. As prices go up, incomes go up, It's not. we're not going to get there. And a lot of this is because of the policy choices that this administration made. To be fair, the last administration put in a lot of money into the economy with their COVID bailout. But the Democrats were warned, given that money, which was probably warranted, adding as much as the Democrats wanted for their own priorities was too much. They got boxed in by Trump. Yet again, it's like on Title 42. Trump boxed him in on Title 42. It's got to get away. Uh, it's got to go away. If the pandemic is over, it's got to go away. This is why the, the White House has now come out uh, and corrected Dr. Fauci, say, no, no, the pandemic's still here. Uh, so they can try to keep Title 42 now. They realize it's not a good idea to get rid of it. They've had these priorities. They've had their vision. They've spent money on those things. It's caused inflation. They want to try to blame Trump for all of it or want to deny that it's here. Now they want to do a student loan bailout for people in a workforce where there's 2% unemployment and 90% and of the money goes to people making six figures or more. These people don't know what they're doing. They're just not competent. And you and I are paying the price. People of Georgia. Can I have your attention for a moment, please? Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, you can get someone better than her in Congress who's a conservative. She spoke at a rally of white supremacists. She's had multiple affairs. She has said if you join the military, you're throwing your life away. And now she believes Satan is in charge of the Christian church in America. Uh, this is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, hang on. I'm getting it. What it is is that Satan's controlling the church. The, the church is not doing its job. And it's not adhering to the teachings of Christ. And it's not adhering to what the Word of God says we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. And what they're doing by saying, oh, we have to love these people and take care of these migrants and love one another. This is loving one another. 
Yes, we are supposed to love one another, but their definition of what love one another means uh, means destroying our laws. It means uh, completely perverting what our Constitution says. It means uh, taking unreal advantage of the American taxpayer. And it means pushing a globalist policy on the American people and forcing America to become something that we are not supposed to be. She's blaming Christians for helping take care of refugees, migrant workers, and illegal aliens. Now, most of you and myself don't favor illegal aliens coming into the country. But that's a government policy. It's not a church policy. And the church has stepped up to care for the souls who come across the border. The Bible says to do that, to take care of the widows, the orphans, the poor, and the refugees, to take care of the aliens wandering your land. I mean, they're explicitly charged by God Almighty himself to do this. And she says that Satan is the one in charge because they're doing what God himself commanded. Uh, this woman uh, maybe needs to keep her mouth shut for a little while uh, and repent of all of her adultery instead of accusing the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America of being controlled by Satan because it's doing what God himself commanded. You and I can dislike the policies of the federal government, but we should be grateful the church is standing up and helping people. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, I just, I gotta reiterate this based on a couple of emails I'm, I've gotten. Um, when the church carries out its mission, which is to love one another, to love God and to love your neighbors, to be accused of being in control by Satan is apostasy more than heresy. Uh, and probably a woman who has committed multiple affairs and needs to focus on her prayer life and repent and maybe get back to church than accuse American Christians of being controlled by Satan for doing what God himself has charged them to do. You know, by the way, there's outrage. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal about uh, businesses in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district being completely ignored by her. There's no constituent services. She's too busy giving ridiculous interviews to far-right sites than she is uh, actually being a congresswoman. Pitiful. Now, to the phones we go. Ron on Studio Lowe's. Welcome. How are you? Hey, good, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, sure. I was... I guess I'll start this with, first of all, in any of these comments, I'm a fan of the Muppets, but I really don't want to fund puppeteers when you put it yes. in that context. But I guess the angle of being homeschool parents initially and having our kids dual enroll and then um, go to public universities. My daughter graduated from Georgia, summa cum laude. My son's going to graduate in December and has an internship with a great company in Atlanta this summer. Uh, it's always stuck in my craw to have property taxes for our house and for our investment property that we're the biggest chunk of that is school taxes and we have no use of resources we have no real import put unless we take it so now to hear that on the college side our kids uh, we've always told them college should be for education not for an experience 
And I just don't trust that everybody has approached education that way. So to send money to pay off other people's experiential uh, things from a homeschool perspective, I know we're oddball for that, but that's an even worse pill to swallow as I think about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, look, I I went to school with a guy who was in college for six years because his dad was rich and wanted him to uh, get it out of his system and have a good time and treat college as a party. And oh my gosh, he did. Uh, and I, I never understood that. I, I really don't. And a lot of people do that, particularly from wealthier families. They they tend to treat college as that sort of lifestyle experience. And for us to have to pay those people's decisions off, uh, really, I, I don't know that the Democrats really understand in their bubble just how increasingly disliked they are. Uh, and uh, Ron, I appreciate you calling in, in that uh, because, you know, there's a there's a story by Greg Sargent and it's notable. It's, it's very, 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 very notable that he's writing it because he is a progressive partisan hack. And you need to understand that Greg Sargent, in the uh, columnist in the Washington Post, is a hyper-progressive partisan. And this is him. The frenzied midterm second-guessing among Democrats appears to be intensifying. The stories are everywhere. Democrats fear that they failed to counter Republican cultural attacks. They fear that they fumbled the politics of immigration. They fear that they're unlikely to pass major new legislation to campaign on. They fear that labor's decline has put key races in peril. They fear that they failed to address widespread economic anxiety. But a larger background fear potentially unites all of these. It's the fear that in some sense, Democrats face deeper structural disadvantages and more fundamental problems with their coalition that could prove extraordinarily challenging over the near and long terms. You saw this fear bubble up when a piece written by little-known Democratic data cruncher Simon Baslon stirred deep angst. It suggested Democrats might be sleepwalking into a Senate disaster. Its argument is that the 2022 and 2024 elections could produce a Republican Senate majority that's filibuster-proof. The reason the combination of the Senate's right-leaning bias and Democrats' travails with working-class voters, not just whites, but also possibly Latinos. So I raised these fears with the guy whose central mission is protecting the Democratic Senate majority. That's J.B. Porsche, the well-regarded president of the Senate Majority Pack, who has worked on Senate races for two decades. The short version, Porsche acknowledges this is of deep concern among top strategists, yet he takes a less alarmist long-term view and doesn't appear to see the problem as fundamental, which strikes me as the crux of the unknown here. The case for long-term Democratic calamity is this. Polarization and declining ticket splitting means Democratic Senate candidates are overperforming presidential candidates by increasingly negligible margins. This threatens to interlock with the Senate's bias against the Democrats. That bias is the result of the Senate's overrepresentation of rural and working class voters, which is exacerbated by Democrats by deepening 
polarization among college, non-college, and urban-rural lines. And so, Bazelon argues, doing well in the national popular vote will prove less and less helpful for Democrats. As it is, he says, they'll likely get 47 to 48% of the two-party vote in 2022, leaving them with 46 or 47 seats. And even if they get 51% of the national two-party vote in 2024, they'll still lose numerous seats because of the Senate's rightward lean in places like West Virginia, Montana, and Ohio, and possibly Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. There is a whole lot more here, but let me give it to you in a nutshell. People don't like Democrats. Here's the bottom line for the Democrats right now. And look, I I don't mean this as a partisan. I really genuinely do not mean this as a conservative, Republican, Christian, evangelical partisan. I don't. And I know a lot of you will take it that way. But the problem for the Democratic Party right now is a very large contingent, almost half of the United States doesn't like the Democratic Party right now. It was not that long ago that major news outlets and the Democrats were focusing on the end of the Republican Party, the extinction of the Republican Party, and yet it is the Democrats who are on the verge of that extinction. They will not because politics is cyclical, the pendulum will swing, and there is no permanence in American politics. The problem for the Democrats at this moment, as an outsider looking in, is their values and their policy choices align with an increasingly diminished group of people who a majority of Americans do not relate to and who a majority of Americans believe hold them in contempt. College-educated white women in particular, they are the only group of voters in America right now who give Joe Biden favorable reviews by a majority. They are the most likely to believe in and advocate for transgenderism. They are the most likely to believe in and advocate for critical race theory uh, being woven into school curricula. They are the most likely to support student loan forgiveness. They are the most likely to support uh, big government spending programs. And they are the most likely to support censoriousness, the censoring of those they disagree with, the silencing of dissent. And it's killing the Democratic Party with voters. Y'all, culture matters. Culture matters when people feel like their culture is under attack. Along the border, not just in Texas, but in California, New Mexico, and Arizona, Hispanic voters are increasingly becoming conservative because they are overwhelmingly Christian. And they feel like their culture is under attack. White women call them Latinx. They don't even use that word in Spanish. It's not a word that can be produced in Spanish. And yet they have people like Elizabeth Warren calling them Latinx. They see what's happening in schools. Their countries immigrated from South American and Central American countries because of a fight against and a flee from socialism. And you have Democrats in this country advocating socialism openly, open bragging about and support of socialism. You have the transgender issue. And I, for those of you who are in the LGBTQ community, 
for those of you who are progressive, for those of you who live in urban areas who are white and college educated, I cannot emphasize enough to you how this issue kills your support culturally with other people because overwhelmingly it's not bigotry. It's not transphobia. It's not homophobia. It is basic biological science that it cannot be so. And your idea to advance that agenda is to shut up anyone who disagrees with you. And that infuriates parents. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, where I am, has an education columnist who's a progressive. The state of Georgia passed a law to restrict boys-to-boys sports and girls-to-girls sports. And the education columnist handed her column over to a mother who was aggrieved that her daughter would not be able to play sports and made that the sympathetic child, made that the victim, where most parents see their daughters, regardless of even partisanship, because there are a lot of Democrats who privately disagree with this issue, and because they're too scared to speak up, you don't realize it, but I hear from them. And to make the boy whose mother's decided with him that he's a girl, the victim here, as opposed to the girls who will be outperformed on the playing field by a boy with testosterone, drives people crazy. And the fact that you'll be mad at me and want to silence me and not have me say these things angers more people. The fact that you want to bail out student loans and forgive student loans for people who have well-paying jobs angers a lot of people. The fact that you refuse to produce more oil, you've shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, something 60% of Americans support. You've shut down exploration of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, something that 70% of Americans support. And you're bragging about higher oil prices and how we need to convert everyone to battery-powered cars when there's not even enough batteries out there for everyone to get into these cars. It infuriates Americans. You may epistemically believe All of these things, but you must understand that most Americans don't. And the fact that you're unyielding, uncompromising, and censorious against those who believe you or disagree with you, rather, it makes people not like you. You all on the left decided that as long as you were not Donald Trump, who you viewed as an existential threat to America, and as long as you were not him and you showed people you were not him, that Americans would like you, you profoundly misunderstood the dynamics of the United States of America in the 21st century. People did not like Donald Trump, but they liked his policies. And Donald Trump lost in November of 2020, not because of a stolen election, but because people thought maybe Biden will return us to normalcy. We're kind of tired of the theatrics of Donald Trump. We're kind of tired of his bullying. And instead, you people took Donald Trump's bullying and put it on steroids. And now the backlash is coming for you. And until you can understand that most Americans feel like their culture is under attack by you, it's not the message. It's not the messaging. It's not disinformation. It's not misinformation. It's not Republican lies. It's you. It's you. 
And I realize I say this as a partisan from the right, as an outsider, but I can see this. I try to be as analytical as possible, even calling out my own party, calling out people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. But you've got to see it for yourself or you're going to continue to be political losers for the time being. Why? Because this country's founders were very wise, far wiser than us. And they decided the way this country has to advance is to find some level of accommodation between rural and urban divides. And so they came up with the Senate to represent the states equally, and they came up with the Electoral College to balance out the forces of populist states against states that aren't as populist or as po- have, have so many uh, people in them. And you've got to understand that you no longer as a party operate within the rules of the game as structured by the founders of this republic. And your response is to call them systemically racist and try to delegitimize them. The problem is you're still bound by those rules. So you got to figure out how to win elections. And if you want to win elections outside of major urban population centers, you got to figure out how not to make people feel threatened by your cultural agenda against them. It's not just the economy. The economy is the precipitating factor, but it's also you make people feel like their culture in their community cannot coexist with you, and they've gotten defensive about it. And if you don't change, you're going to stay a minority power in this country, even as you continue to dominate urban areas, causing you to have a 50-50 split in the popular vote. It's not going to matter because the founders of this country structured the country so that the majority population vote does not matter in the Senate or the presidency or among the several states themselves. One of the companies that's standing up for the conservative side in this and funding the cause is Patriot Mobile. They're Christian and conservative. They're headquartered in Dallas, Texas, and they use the same cell towers everybody else uses. And then they take a portion of their profits and give it to the very conservative movement that is on the upswing right now. Your business with Patriot Mobile helps them magnify the amount of money that they can give to the conservative cause. And if you want to take your business to them, you get free activation with my name. You can go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. The phone number is 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. They also give you great discounts when you come to Patriot Mobile. If you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, a gun owner, NRA member, so many discounts. Ask them about those. Get free activation with my name. If you're worried about the service, go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. They have detailed coverage maps so you can see, is there 5G in your area? How good is the data? You get voice, all that great stuff, and you can bring over your existing phone number. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. So let me give you some perspective from the Wall Street Journal, and yeah, I'm a broken record on this issue because it's just, it, it's it, it saying the church is controlled by Satan just, just got me. 85% of U.S. carpet and rug output, 85%. The odds are if you buy a carpet or rug or vinyl flooring, it is produced within 65 miles of Dalton, Georgia. It is an $8 billion economy, mostly centered in North Georgia, inside Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. Uh, Harlan Stone is the chief executive of HMTX Industries, a vinyl flooring importer, has warehousing and other operations in the district. Uh, He said that the Trump administration 
was putting some of his products in the tariffs with China, and it would deeply impact his business. And he had been able to work in the past with Congressman Tom Graves from that area. But when Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, came into office, she never returned his phone calls, cost him business, raised his rates, couldn't deal with him. David Pennington is the mayor of Dalton, Georgia, trying to get money from the federal government to fix an issue on the interstate that runs through his community related to stormwater drainage. Her office won't return his phone calls. It's not just that she's saying stupid things like the church is controlled by Satan and you're wasting your life if you join the military. She won't even do basic constituent service to protect her local businesses and citizens from what the federal government is doing. Jennifer Strahan is an alternative to her who gets constituent service, is a conservative. You could do so much better than having a crazy woman who doesn't do her job in Washington.